Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with theater's biggest names. I'm Alan Seals, and this episode is with Morgan Marcel, who is in the smash hit Moulin Rouge the Musical, which continues our February 2020 takeover. Morgan is another example of someone who just kind of says yes to, to opportunities and then figures out how to make it work. She's, she's very type A, she says, but that hasn't stopped her from saying yes to opportunities. But then she kind of freaks out about like, oh crap, I said I'm going to do this. Now I've got to make it work. And being that she is type A, she wants to be the best at it and she's doing it. She's succeeding. We obviously get into the specifics of this in the episode, but she's created her own way, which um, ironically, because Alex Timbers is her director in Moulin Rouge, uh, I was going to compare her to Alex Timbers, who, and even Lin-Manuel Miranda, who she's also worked with, people who have written things and created things to create opportunities for themselves instead of waiting for opportunities to come to them. And now, through her, her experience and through the people she's worked with, she's known as someone who can translate stage to screen. I think we are going to be seeing a lot more of her in the in the coming years. Um, very soon, she's just this this delight to be around. She has a great energy. She is very talented and very imaginative and very creative. So I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Before we get into this episode, as always, please visit me online at thetheaterpodcast.com. Show your support. Help me get the transcriptions finished for all my past episodes. All of the money right now from Patreon is going to get the transcriptions made so that we can be more accessible for those who want to read it instead of hearing it. So that's very helpful for those who need it. Again, if you need it, that's thetheaterpodcast.com slash Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Visit me on social media at Twitter and Instagram at theater underscore podcast. And now please enjoy this episode with Morgan Marcel. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Here you go. One, two, three. My guest today is an actor, dancer, choreographer, and director with Broadway credits ranging from the original Broadway cast of Hamilton to the original Broadway cast of Bandstand to Fosse Verdon. She is now on stage in the original Broadway cast of Moulin Rouge, the musical. Morgan Marcel. Welcome to the Theater Podcast. Thanks so much. Wow, that bio was really thorough and 
Made me smile. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you got a big old smile on your face. So you only do original Broadway cast. That's what I'm taking away from the intro. (laughs) Right. right. That's my requirement. Yes. Must Um, be original. In my contract, must be OBC or I walk. Um, But you did choreograph. You were assistant dance captain for um, the national tour of In the Heights, right? I ended up being the dance captain. I took over for the original. So I was a dance captain in the swing for, uh, yeah, for the first national tour. And that was kind of my first big job in musical theater. Well, I want to get, we'll we'll get to the first big job. But so you grew up in California, born in California, Mm -hmm. right? Born in San Diego. Um, What a terrible place to have to go back to for Christmas. You know what I mean? Right. Um, There's no snow there though. I know, but see, but you can drive two hours to the mountains and then you're in snow. True. (laughs) Touche. Okay. So, Um, okay. (laughs) Tell me more. Yeah. So I grew up in, um, in San Diego and I did theater as a kid in the summers, um, until I was probably 15, and then I was like, I'm going to go to law school and forget arts. I'm going to go educate myself. And so I applied to Stanford thinking that was, you know, that was my dream school. Didn't get in. Um, went to Boston <laughs> University for a year instead. Um, and and I still wanted to go to law school, but my mom came in like uh, February of, of the year, my freshman year. And she said to me, I have never seen you so depressed. What's going on? Mm. And I was getting straight A's. I was like doing the thing, but she could just tell that I was like gray, you know? And she said, what's going on? And I said, I just feel like I'm not contributing to the world. I'm not changing it. I'm not not changing it. I'm just here learning, just existing. existing. I'm doing the assignments. I'm doing what people tell me to. But there's no conversation here about how we affect anyone else or what our big dreams are. I mean, it partly had to do with the fact that I lived on an engineering floor. Mm. So there's that. <laughs> I don't know that they were talking about anything, you know, artistic or, you know, kind of those things. Um, so Nothing she said— engineers. Oh, no. No. They also can change the world. I just don't know that they were talking about it. Um, but my mom said, what do you want to do with all this money we're spending on education? Is there something else you'd rather do? And I said, I want to go to L.A. and train as a dancer. And she said, okay. And so I did. How much dance training did you have until that point? I had done um, very rigorous, like classical ballet um, from the time I was probably 10 to the time I was 17, until I was a senior, until I left. Um, and I did jazz a little bit less um, consistently than that, but I did. And, and I was trained in tap when I was little, so I had kind of all the skills, but I didn't really know what that meant. It just seemed kind of like a hobby at that point. Right, right. That. I, I applaud your mom. You were saying that she just came in and just said, you know, something like, oh, you're, you're, I've never seen you so depressed. It, our parents' generation is not used to talking about feelings like that. Yeah, well, I'm actually very lucky that that happened because my mom was the one that pushed me. If anything, like, I have gone to therapy now because of my mom. Love you, mom. Because she pushed me so hard and she required that I get a 4.0 and part of my type A personality surely comes from her. But I think she pushed me so far just so that I knew I could do it. Like I survived a year in college and she said to me, you're succeeding. You're doing very well. It's not that you are failing and you want to leave. You're succeeding and you're still saying, I'd like to leave. And she said, that proves something to me. Mm -hmm. So let's do what you want to do. Yeah, my my version of that is that I go to therapy because of my mother, love you, mom, and because we didn't talk about feelings. Right. So being, you know, uh, especially a boy, I was not encouraged to talk about feelings. And I did musical theater and I was singing in boys' choruses and whatnot. And then when I got to high school, when all of a sudden it was just, you know, you were not right. 
in the small town of North Carolina where I grew up to be a boy and do the arts. Yeah. You weren't, you know, this macho jock that went hunting. Um, you had to, you know, you're forced to leave it behind, but that's, that's, that's a different story. So, um, then you go, so you go to, you switch colleges. Are you, or I, do you, no, I drop out. Are you drop out completely? Yeah. Beauty school drop out. Yeah, bye. I left Austin University and I went to LA and my parents took a portion of what they were um, graciously giving me to go to college. And they, my mom said, you know, train your butt off, like go do it. And so for a year and a half, I danced six days a week, 10 hours a day. Mm. Like literally, no, that's it. I did it for a year and a half. I like barely took holidays off. I just was so obsessed with it. And I did my own class schedule and I took ballet every day and I was in all these crazy hip hop classes. And, you know, I was taking class from Sonia, auditioning for her. She could literally not notice me. I was like in the back and she <laughs> never paid me any mind. So she, there's that. Sonia Taya, did she remember you when, when you no. auditioned for her for Moulin Rouge? No. No? And I'm glad she didn't because I'm a different person. <laughs> but uh, I did go up to her during the rehearsal process and I said, you know, my best friend is, um, he's a dancer and choreographer named Nick Lanzacera and we did Rent Live together. Um, <clears throat> but I said, my best friend is Nick and he assisted you all the time. And I would go to these rehearsals and, you know, pick him up or drop him off or say hi or getting dinner in between or whatever. And, um, I went to all his performances. So I've seen you. I know who you are. You've met me. I went to all of your workshops and your auditions and I, you didn't like me then, <laughs> which is fine. Uh, this so is after, after you were cast in rehearsal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah certainly yeah. after, yeah. Yeah, too late, too late to say she's a weirdo, don't cast her. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> right, exactly. I could open my mouth. Right. Um, all right, so uh, back up for a second, though. And so we were talking about In the Heights tour in the yeah. beginning. So that you said that was your first, like, professional professional job? Or? Kind of. I mean, I had worked professionally in the theater in LA and San Diego, but it's not a huge scene, right? right. Um, and I had worked as a dancer a little bit commercially, but nothing huge. It's, I, you know, I didn't do any crazy like Britney tours or anything like that. So this was my first um, job as an adult in the theater professionally on a professional contract. Um, and it changed my life regardless of being an artist forever. Like Absolutely. it just made me a better person. I'm still friends with those people. It's that show. I don't know. It just breeds a family and it was a really great experience. I don't think anything Lynn touches just breeds a family. Yeah. Yeah. But that one in particular, I, I feel like he would agree. Um, you know, it was sort of a commercial success, but not as much of a commercial success, obviously as Hamilton, but it was about his own family. And so mm -hmm. that's in the blood of the musical and in the writing and you, you know, you're out salsa dancing with these people that this was also part of their story and they're proud to tell it on stage. And, um, it was really cool. Was the audition for that in, on the West coast? Mm -hmm. It was in LA. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So they didn't, they didn't cast completely out of New York then? They didn't. I mean, I think I was one of few that came from LA. Um, but that's actually a crazy story. I don't know if you want me to tell it now. Sure. Okay. Um, tell so, me, tell me crazy stories. Okay, so we, uh, so I auditioned in LA. I didn't know who Andy Blankenbuehler was, um, but you know they said we want this like street styling, and we also want someone that can do musical theater. I said, "Ha ha, that's me. I've trained a year and a half to do this." And so <laughs> I went in, and um, Andy Cut 
half the room. He did a, a thing from 96,000 and then he did like this little tap combo and he cut actually half the room. We were all sweating, drenched, like my eyelashes had fallen off. And he said, y'all need to learn how to tap. And I was like, oh, you know, cause I had tap training. I mean, it wasn't insane, but he just looked at the entire room. Y'all need to learn how to tap. Oh, okay. So made us the callbacks. I didn't have any singing confidence then. And so I'm auditioning for Alex Blackmore. And in my song, I had sort of head voiced this F. And he said, hey, that ending note, can you just belt it real quick? And I was like, I, I mean, in my head, I couldn't even hear my voice doing that. And so I did it. I cracked. He had me do it five times over and over again. And I was like, I actually lost this job. This is never happening. I went outside the room. He's like, we'd like to hear you do the Carla sides, you know, which is one of the supporting characters. Mm-hmm. What? Like, I literally can't sing this. There's no way. I went to my car, my car, oh, miss it. <laughs> went to my car, listened to the soundtrack, like trying to listen to what she sings, sang it. Anyway, came to New York, my first time coming for an audition. I came up super excited. And we did two days of like 10 to six dancing and everyone got a call that night. And I flew home the next day. One of my friends was also auditioning from LA. And he called me and he's like, did you get a call? I said, no. He's like, okay, well, everyone else has heard. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't get the job. Like, I'm heartbroken. I had left another rehearsal process to come to the callback. So I'm flying away from New York, you know, like longingly looking like, oh, I lost the job, crying and this whole thing. And um, I, my mom and I have this joke about Top of the Chrysler. That's the name of my corporation because my mom and I have a joke because I played, um, uh, Molly and Annie. Mm-hmm. And so I was like screaming, like, shine like the top of the Chrysler building. So it's always a joke. She puts it in opening night cards. So for Mother's Day, I had gotten, I auditioned in November, by the way. Okay. So for Mother's Day, I got her this little plate and I had someone write like, you know, top of the Chrysler on it. And I was going to pick it up. It was ready that day. It was like maybe three days after Mother's Day. I went and I picked it up. So we're and, in May now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I went, I picked it up and, um, on our way home, I got a call that I had booked the tour. And we're like screaming. Also, my dad, the the um, documentary had just come out about In the Heights, the making of In the Heights. I had purposefully not watched it because I was like, I'm going to cry because I didn't get that job. And so that night, my dad was like, we have it. We have to watch it. And so my mom got this plate of like top of the Chrysler. I had booked my first job. It was sort of, you know, this Mother's Day gift right before my birthday. And my dad was like, let's watch this documentary. So I got to do that. Anyway, that's. That's the story. That's that is such a fun story. It took six months to get the call. That's incredible. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was just people had turned something down. I mean, I was like second choice, but that's okay because that's just how it happens. It happens, and now it has made made this great career for you. Uh, you so you came into the Into Heights tour as you said the assistant dance captain, right? Or, um, I was a swing, and then I swing. took over for the dance captain when she left. How long were you in before you took over? Um, probably like eight months. So is it normal for for someone who's like new on the job to take over something like that? Mm, I mean, because I, I, I guess so. it is eight months new-ish by that point. Well, new, like I had never danced captain before and I had right. never swung. So I was all news to me. But thankfully, Stephanie Clemens, who um, was assisting on, on In the Heights and was in the original cast, kind of saw me audition and saw the way my brain worked, I think. And so... I think they thought that I was the next, you know, choice. I, I want to talk about that for a second because I've I've talked to Sonia, Sonia Taya, and yeah. and 
it was kind of the same thing for her. She started dancing later in life, um, after long after you did, like late in her teenager years. I mean, she was like doing underground scene and then, you know, ended up getting into choreography later. But then she was saying that somebody came to her in a dance, in a dance scenario and was like, you have the brain for a choreographer. And, and I still don't quite understand what that means. Do you, do you have more of an explanation into what that is? I do. A couple things. So for the, I have two examples. One is from Tommy Kale about directing. And one is from Stephanie about dance captaining. Um, I think the way that you see someone compartmentalize things to be a dance captain, to pick up the counts quickly, to um, not put too much of their own flavor onto something and really uh, absorb what the choreographer wants, someone that listens well, you know, this is what this movement means, and then that person internalizes it, you can see that, and then executes it, I think is part of a formula for a good dance captain because you have to be the choreographer when the choreographer is not there. And you don't want to teach something to another person with your own stylings on it. You want to teach it the way the choreographer did mm-hmm. it. And so I think that's what they saw. I mean, it's an advantage and a disadvantage because it's an advantage because the choreographer trusts you and you have a great relationship with them. It's a disadvantage because often it means you're not on stage because you didn't put your own stylings on it, right? You didn't make a choice about the way this arm goes or what this kick looks like. You just did it exactly by the book. Um, and so I think often that means you end up in a swing position or a dance captain position. Because mm. you can kind of, yeah, like switch out. You can replicate. You replicate, yeah. switch out into whatever character you are. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Okay. Um, so then that, what year was that? It was 2011, right? Was that That's school? when that ended. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, you were in the original Broadway cast of Hamilton in 2015. But obviously there were years of work Oh, yeah. Until then. There were years of work and not work. There were years of, I'm going to do TV and film now. Yeah? Yeah. So I, uh, it's sad to admit this, but after In the Heights, I said, that was a really great experience. It changed my life. I'm really invested in acting, and I want to do real acting. Yeah, all of New York just died. Real (laughs) acting. TV and film. (laughs) <laughs> Hilarious. No, just well-paid acting. That's that's what right. you should have said. But then, yeah. that's what I was thinking, right. is that, like, I don't want to do musicals. They're cheesy, and I just want to do something that's really dramatic and, you know, all this stuff. So I was training at a um, classical theater company called Antius um, in L.A., and I was doing, like, Greek theater and I did The Crucible and all these things. So you, so, you went back to the West Coast after mm-hmm. this, yeah. It was really fun, and I learned a ton, but I was also, like, working at a Pilates studio and bartending in a hookah bar that was owned by the Armenian mafia. Really? Yes. So that was my LA experience. And um, I kept coming back to New York for auditions for everything. Aladdin, I was in that room for like five times and all these things. And I finally said, you know what? If I book one more job that needs me to come to New York, I'm moving. So Mark Stewart called me and said, I'm, I'm choreographing Greece at North Shore Music Theater. Will you come? Will you assist me? And then will you also be cha-cha in the musical. Mm-hmm. So that's it. So I moved. And then, you, so it came here. And then uh, when did you audition for Hamilton? Probably eight months after I moved. I moved in July, I believe. And then I auditioned um, probably spring, the spring. Uh, how, how fully developed was it at the time when you auditioned? Because I think you were, if I remember this correctly, you were part of the original crew that went down to the White House and performed for the Obamas like early on, right? Yes. So I was in the original cast that was... Uh, Uptown, but I did not do the public. So the public was 
you know, they had a full run with mm-hmm. costumes and all the ideas kind of formulated. And so I joined as a swing um, for the Broadway run. So that, okay. So that was like 2014-ish, I would 2015, say. 2015, yeah, we opened. It was, I don't remember what month it was, but yeah. Um, and did you have any idea what kind of success that it was going to like push you and everybody else into? Certainly not me. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, I saw it at the public because I went and I did the lottery and I ended up winning. And um, Stephanie, again, came up to me and said, hey, we're having auditions for this show. But like everyone says that, right? Like, come right. in for the audition. You're like, yeah, whatever. Call me if you call me. And then not a week later, here's the appointment. And I was right. like, okay, I got to do this. And actually, that story is kind of crazy too because I had booked the lab of prom. And I was so excited to do Casey Casey Nicola thing. I was like stoked. I had a great audition. I was really excited about it. I was doing pre-pro for something else. And then I was supposed to go to La Jolla Playhouse to do another show. So I had all these things on my plate. It was very exciting. You know, I was like, (laughs) oh, it's my first year. It's so exciting. And then Andy calls me and he's like, I heard that you have a lot of jobs on the line. Yeah, had not auditioned yet. Yes. He's like, you can't do them. Um, okay, but I need to because I need to pay my rent. <laughs> and he's like, well, what if I bring you in as a vacation swing on Hamilton? I'm like, what? I don't even know what that is. He's explaining it to me. He's like, you'll be in the rehearsal process, but then we might not use you for six months. And I'm like, well, do I get a retain? I'm like, how does this, do I get paid? What is, what is this job? He's like, well, we really want an African-American swing. And so I don't know if you coming in for the swing role is going to work, but we do want you on the job somehow. Very confusing. And so I decided in that moment, I was like, it's probably, whoa, it's probably going to come down to my voice. So I'm going to take the most amount of vocal lessons I can possibly (laughs) cram in in the next two weeks. I did. I sang the song I rapped in my audition. There's that to a tape. Okay. Um, Anyway, and then I got the call that day, which also never happens. Like I got home and agent called. Oh, and, and congrats, by the way. They just announced it's going to go into the movie. They're going to make a movie out of yeah, with the it's original, exciting. With the original Broadway cast. It's exciting. Yeah, yeah. they they film, we filmed that, um, I guess, right before the Tonys in the first year. Oh, it's already been filmed? It's already been filmed, yeah. And then oh, um, oh. they put it in the vault for like five years, and now here we go. I thought they were bringing everybody back to redo it. I mean, maybe we should be telling people that because that seems more exciting, but it's not the fact. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Well, good Good on them for recording that and keeping yeah, it. Yeah, Lynn is a genius. Of, of, yeah, many things. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, 
even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, so then 2017, Bandstand, original Broadway cast. How long were you in Hamilton? Just over a year and a half. And was it kind of a natural choice or a hard choice to leave something that you knew would be a regular paycheck for a while? It was not hard for me because my goal originally was to perform, right? And so mm. I have an offstage track. That's what I had. I was the dance captain. I was a swing. And I just wanted to know what it felt like to put my stamp on something that I did eight times a week after that. And so when Bandstand came up and I was able to leave, I think it was a hard decision for both Andy and I because, you know, I was going back to the dance captain role. I was him when he was not at Hamilton. And so he was like, this is going to be a hard decision. I would like you to come do Bandstand, but we have to figure out who stays in the building. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, it was a little bit of negotiation there, but it was pretty easy for me to make the decision to be on stage eight times a week. So then in Bandstand, you actually, you were part of the the regular rotation, right, with yeah. the regular cast. Yeah, yeah. And it didn't last as long as I feel it should have. I know. It's so sad. It's like the little train, you know, train that could and then it couldn't <laughs> anymore. <laughs> I mean, was that, was that kind of, was that hard for you? Because I, I guess it was the first show that, that you left because it closed. Yeah, it was, it was really hard. I mean, it's sort of weird because that show was so hard physically that I actually don't know how I would have done in it for a year. And I think we all say that. It's like we, we were putting our all into it every single night because, and I think that's why it ran for even as long as it did, because we just were giving our all every night because we never knew when we were going to get the notice. Mm-hmm. And I actually, I took a vacation and we got our notice while I was on vacation. And so I wasn't even there to experience it with the cast. So I had to go back the next Tuesday, like performing, like, oh God, we're going to (laughs) close. But I don't know. I just loved everything about that show. I loved all the people in it. I loved the music. I loved doing it. I loved dancing it. I could have, if my body would have let me, I would have done it for a long time. Yeah. Well, was it harder than than uh, the other choreography? I mean, we're going to get to Moulin Rouge, but I mean, the Moulin Rouge choreography looks intense. Yes. I can do a full Venn diagram, like compare contrast on all of them, but I the I think the short answer is that they're all equally hard in different ways. Yeah. Um, I think we call Hamilton the marathon because it's three hours long. You have to be invested as an actor emotionally. You got to do the choreography. You got to lift chairs over your head. You got to do the costume changes, like the whole thing. Bandstand was so high impact. It was insane. We were doing a lot of partnering. So if you weren't showing up for your partner, you were going to get injured. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to be there and be 100%. And um, Moulin Rouge is a little bit of both. Like it's, it's we call it the high intensity training, like a hit workout because mm-hmm. you're on stage for 20 minutes sweating everywhere. And the opening number is 11 minutes by yeah, itself. Yeah, you're dying in the opening number and then you go off stage and you have a little bit of rest and then you come back and do it. So... If you want the Moulin Rouge workout, just do three hit workouts in a row eight times a week. (laughs) (laughs) That actually, there's a marketing idea for the show. Just like put the choreography on tape. Someone told me that already. Yeah. They were like, do the Moulin Rouge workout and I'll watch it. I mean. There's your, there's your TikTok idea. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, And, but okay. So 2017 was Bandstand, 2019 Moulin Rouge the musical. And then at what point does Fosse Verdon make its way into your life? So Fosse made its way into my life um, after 
bandstand. I went and dance supervised Hamilton in Chicago for six weeks or so. Mm-hmm. They just needed someone to fill in, and I had all the information, and it was kind of good timing. So I went out there. And then I came back and did, like, chess at the Kennedy Center and in the Heights at the Kennedy Center, a couple, of, like, little short things. And I had emailed Andy saying, you know, he just did um, the movie Vice. He had done a dance number in it, which mm-hmm. was cut, but he did it. And I said, you know what? If you do anything that has to do with film or TV and you're choreographing, I think that I'm the person to be your assistant because I have a a really um, kind of eye that lends itself to cinema, but I know your choreography so well. And so I think I would be a great assistant. Let me know if that's of interest to you. No reply because Andy Blankenbuehler. And then two months later, he calls me and he's like, hey, I have this job. I'm going to choreograph Fosse Verdon. If it's FX, it's the entire Hamilton team. Do you want to be the assistant? <laughs> what? I was sitting on my floor like, I'm dying. But absolutely, like absolutely, <laughs> 100%. And then I got to look at the team. Like Tim Ives was our DP and he did Stranger Things. He did some of House of Cards. He did Girls. Like it's it was blowing my mind. And so then we started not like two weeks later, training Michelle and Sam and scheduling and doing the whole thing. So what do you, what was your role as the assistant choreographer? Did you did you come up with, is it like a A cam, B cam team on a film set or like how does it sort right. of work? What wasn't my job <laughs> is the question. No. Um, so it basically was to, um, I was in charge originally, in charge, I was in charge originally of training um, Michelle and Sam. So, Talk, emailing their managers and getting them, to, you know, in the studio and deciding what Fosse rep we were going to teach them and who was that person that was going to come in, you know, all that stuff, organizing all that stuff. Then when we got to choreographing, um, it was doing pre-pro with Andy. And then um, when Andy had to go to a location scout or something like that, then rehearsing the dancers and running the auditions and things like that. So it was it was a lot. Andy entrusted me with with a lot of information and a lot of responsibility, and it was really quite cool. Also, in the middle of that, you know, now it's known he left to do Cats. So mm-hmm. he did three episodes, and then he left to do Cats. And um, so I had to kind of take over while he wasn't there. So, you know, the day we filmed Who's Got the Pain, it was just me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's Michelle Williams and Tommy Hale and me. So that was really cool. I mean, it, w- it was really fun to do. I, I feel like that would that would put me in such a place of imposter syndrome of like, what am I? What, wait, where, oh. hey, where'd Andy go? Where did he go? Oh, yeah. I was scared. Can I cuss on this? Oh, yeah. Okay. I was scared shitless, for sure. I mean, most of the time. Because also there's this scene, um, you know, when they meet and there's dancing with dialogue. So they don't, as actors, they don't care. They just want to do the work. They don't care who's in the room. Right. And so they're rehearsing this thing, and I'm just going over the counts and stuff like that. They're like, what do you think this line means? Like, why do I say this as Fosse and blah, 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 blah? And what's their interaction here? And I'm like, oh, my God, this is Tommy's job. Like, what do I say? But I'm, like, trying to give them information but not trying to overstep my bounds. You know, it's, it was a lot and very cool. That's really fun. Wow, yeah. wow. And is that was that the first time that you were— Coming up with original choreography, or where it was, um, we did. I mean, we did mostly Fosse rep. Yeah. Um, so we had uh, people come in from the Fosse uh, Verdon legacy that that came in and um, taught that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but Andy probably choreographed two or three numbers that were original, and so I was in pre pro for that, um, and and 
teaching a lot of that, but it was, it was really fun. I've been in the room with Andy a couple times on, you know, just random projects where he's creating and it's always really fun and inspiring and um, it's always driven by some kind of storytelling. So it's cool. That's a lot of fun. And th- did that lead, lead into Rent Live as well? Yeah. That so team? I, um, so once he left, I was like, hey, can I take a leave to do Rent Live? <laughs> <laughs> and they actually had another choreographer, Susie Meisner, come in and take over for Andy. And so it was kind of this perfect shift where I was like, great, I'll go do Rent Live and you can start to take over with your team. And then I ended up doing a couple episodes of Fosse later when I came back. But yeah, it kind of segued right into Rent Live. So you're, is it is it a subset of people that kind of are looked into in the industry of like, we have theater, musical theater that needs to translate to screen and we only trust certain people to do it now. Is it, have you like breached, the, breached this inner circle? I would love to think that. I don't know. I think it depends. You know, like this new movie, In the Heights, coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, and the choreographer, Chris, has mostly done commercial stuff. But his translation of storytelling into film, I think, is going to be really great. But he's not of the theater world, right? But I think he has a similar mindset about, about storytelling and how you do that. Um, and so I think, it's, I think it's something that people see in the artist about um, how to integrate music and, and movie making and choreography. And if someone has proven that they've done that well, I think they're trusted with that. Hmm. All right. And okay. So you, you're more on the creative side, you're on the creative side doing that thing. And did, did the Moulin Rouge audition come in the middle of all this or were you done and you're like, all right, I'm going to start auditioning again. Right. Like how, like Like how did it, what's going on? That's how I felt. Literally what's going on? How do I, uh, what coast am I on? Um, So I did the lab. What mode are you in? Well, here's the thing is that I think you're always in all modes. You just have to be right. Like, I think that I look at a piece of choreography and I'm like, oh, that's brilliant. I would love to dance that. But there's also a part of my mind that's thinking, how would you film that? You know what I mean? It's just like how I feel like I walk around. And I think old school. I think that's unusual though. No, because I think old school Broadway, which they're legends, they were like, I am a dancer. I am a choreographer. Mm -hmm. I do this. And why someone like Fosse, for instance, is so revolutionary is because he's like, I'm going to do everything. I was a dancer. I'm now a choreographer. And now I'm going to choreograph and direct. Watch me do it. And everyone's like, whoa, you're revolutionary. And he's like, no, I'm just doing what I feel. Like, I'm just doing me. And I feel like we get so caught. We're now breaking all the boundaries. But we get so caught, even casting directors being like, that person is a dancer. They can't do TV and film. Or this person that's directing this film will never be in front of the camera. But we're seeing it all the time. You know what I mean? My, it, we're seeing everyone do it all the time. And so I feel like that's the way, that's the future. That's the future. Anyway, what did you ask me? <laughs> how how, oh, and, how and Wendy added Moulin Rouge, the okay. musical, come in? So I auditioned for Moulin Rouge while I was in Bandstand. And um, I did a reading of it while I was in Bandstand. And then um, the show closed and we did a lab, an eight-week lab that fall. So Bandstand closed in September. So November, we were doing a lab. And then we did the out-of-town run six months later in Boston that summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had nine or 10 months. So Fosse happened right after that. Fosse happened that fall. Oh, so, so Fosse was in the, was between Boston. Moulin Rouge, and, Boston, yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it was Rent Live. And then I had a couple months in the spring and then we started rehearsals for Broadway. Okay, so for, for Moulin Rouge, when you started, when, when you went in, you were, uh, 
at, I guess at what point was the script finalized? Because there were songs that were cut, there were things that Still were added. Changing. I mean, it's, I'm just kidding. Is it really? No, no, no. no I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I think that what you see now was not finalized until we froze on Broadway, which was probably a week before we opened. Wow. So, so Boston. What changed from Boston? There were a couple things. There were songs that got um, changed, like we did "Shake It Out," but now we do. Uh, I mean, we always did "Chandelier," but now um, Ziedler sings it, mm-hmm. and so some of those roles changed. There were there was talk of changing "Firework" for a little bit, but then that ended up staying. And I think there were some things that we couldn't get the rights to, yeah. and so they had to kind of maneuver. Um, and Justin had to reorchestrate to to fit in what we could use. I mean, did it kind of just like blow your mind when you were when you saw the script and you heard the score and it was just like thing after thing after change after change of costumes and scenes and, and I mean, yeah, it, well, it's like a ride. You get on it and it just takes goes. off out of the station. Yeah. Well, I didn't know what it was. Even doing the reading, like I didn't understand what uh, how high of a production value it would be. And so we got to do this you know, run of it downtown or not run, but like, you know, we were doing run throughs and it was the the end of the lab. And we had like costume changes and lighting and strobes and all this stuff. And I was like, this is crazy. I mean, we had a mini passerelle downtown. It was nuts. And, um, you know, it enabled Sonia and Alex to create their world and really see it. And I think it eventually helped us get into Boston because all the designers could come and be like, what do we want this to look like eventually? But seeing the set for the first time, I think it's like on my Instagram or something. I like, you know, filmed people walking into the theater and it's, it blew your mind. It's like walking into Disneyland for the first time as a three-year-old. And you're like, oh my God, Cinderella's real. (laughs) I I literally wrote down in my notes here. I was like, it's like seeing a show and getting on a ride. The house, the pre-show, everything is 100% immersive, which Disney has always impressed me with because even mm-hmm. the, even the cue the the atmosphere you have your park music the synchronized yeah. like you walk in and you were just in that world yeah and you're supposed to leave everything else behind well Alex I think is a king of that like I saw Beetlejuice while we were rehearsing for um Broadway, Broadway and I walked in and I was like oh we are the um darker kind of like sexier version of this this is like the crazy, fun, sarcastic one. And we're going to be the other one with like the red lights and the, you know, um, the costumes that are, you know, a little more revealing and like mysterious. We're going to be the mysterious version of that. I was like, I'll do it. This is amazing. I'm in. Like it was, it was a really cool experience to see Alex do it in another way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And this is your first time working with Alex. Mm -hmm. And he's, I mean, he's one of those people too that kind of just made his own way and and tr- kind of does it all. Like, Bloody yeah. Bloody Andrew Jackson, he wrote because he just wanted to direct. Yeah. And at the age he was at the time, just, there wa- it was kind of like, oh, you're not in your late 40s or early 50s? Yeah, you're not old enough or experienced enough right. to direct. So he just wrote something he could direct. It. Same exactly. with Lynn. Yep. Lynn just wrote, writes his own stuff. Yeah, because he he's was like, I'll be in it and yeah. I'll write it and now I'll direct it. And so, and you too, and I think you're kind of following along in those footsteps. Wow. Because you're doing, I'm like, take I, that quote and put it on my website. <laughs> I mean, you're following along those footsteps because you're doing your own choreography. I was looking at your website. You're doing all these videos to to get experience of of putting yourself out there, doing the dancing, making up your own stuff, and then I uh, this even led into like the Eliza Project and, mm. and the Share Your Stories documentary, which was your directorial debut. Yeah. 
right? Mm -hmm. So for those who don't know, tell us about Eliza Project. So when I was in, um, I think the greatest, one of the greatest gifts that Hamilton gave me was um, opportunity, obviously, but particularly um, because Philippa Sue and I created um, an organization that works with Graham Wyndham, which is the um, the orphanage that Eliza Hamilton created. Mm-hmm. So we work with those students to give them artistic workshops and help them find their own voices, um, whether that's through a rap or, you know, we did like an eco project where we went into um, the forest and taught kids, you know, about the environment and how they could help and... Um, oh, eco. Eco. They said ego. <laughs> ego. Well... Honestly, we should do workshops on that too, but <laughs> eco, yes. Um, so we got to uh, we got to do a couple Eliza projects. And the reason it's called a project is because it can be anything. Mm-hmm. It can be a four-week workshop. It can be one day. It can be a meditation retreat. It can be kind of whatever you want it to be. And so uh, Hamilton actors, cast members, crew even um, got together and we, we developed all these programs. And um, while I was in bandstand, actually, the Smithsonian called. What a hilarious sentence. The Smithsonian called. And they <laughs> Not said- Not many people can say that. Right. They said, we want to do an exhibit on Hamilton and how it has interacted with philanthropy. Can we do something on the Eliza Project? I'm like, well, yeah, what do you want? They're like, I don't know, a picture or a, I'm like, a t-shirt? Like, I don't know what I have that I can give the Smithsonian. And um, my dance partner, now partner- Ryan was like, you should do a film. You keep saying that you want to do film. Like, why don't you do a film and give it to the Smithsonian? I was like, ha hilarious. I'll never go for that. Cut to the pitch meeting. I'm like, how about a film? And Graham Wyndham's like, yeah, we have the budget to do it. How much do you need? Let's do it. And then I'm again shitting my pants because I've said something that I want to do and I have literally no idea how to do it. And so I'm like calling these people that have done documentary film before and trying to get this crew together. And I'm doing it all by myself. Like there's no AD, there's no nothing, which was my number one first mistake. I've learned from it forever. And then I'm like sending these papers to Lynn's, um, uh, to Lynn's lawyer being like, do I have the right to use his image? And they're like, well, we have to, you know, I'm meanwhile, I'm like copy and pasting it from Google. Like, you know what I mean? It, it was, it was an insane experience. All that to say, put your money where your mouth is and just do it. Right. So I did this 10 minute documentary. Went to I'll film share festival. your stories. Yes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was really interesting to to head that up. So yeah, I'll, cool. I'll read here. The Eliza Project is a 10-minute short documentary about the inception, purpose, and hopeful legacy of the Eliza Project, which was co-founded by Philippa Sue, obviously, and you. Mm-hmm. Um, features Renee Elise Goldberry, Goldsberry, Jonathan Groff, and Lynn, and the students of Grand, Grand, Graham Wyndham. And so that's now, we can see that in the Smithsonian? You, it is in the archives, and you can also see it on my website. Oh, yeah. I was watching it on your website. But yeah, the Smithsonian, yeah. that's so cool. It is cool. That is so, so, so cool. Okay. So um, a question from one of my patrons is, uh, what is your favorite dance number or song from Moulin Rouge? I think that depends on, such a boring answer, but I think that depends on the mood that I'm in. Sometimes, like, if I have a friend there and I have had caffeine... <laughs> The opening is so fun. I'm like, look at this skirt go. I'm flying around the stage. I'm kicking my face. Like, I get to make, like, basically growling sounds and be in a permanent squat <laughs> on a bridge. Like, great. <laughs> Living my literal best dreams. Um, when I'm not that, uh, I think Diamonds is really empowering. It's it's a little less crazy on the body, but it's really fun to be in this 
um, you know, kind of the flanking Karen Olivo, sometimes Ashley Wren, and be going for it, like giving you, um, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you know, diamonds and lights and all the things, but it's just, it feels really empowering for it to just be all women. And mm-hmm. we're like, watch us go. It's, re- it's really fun. That's very cool. All right. So the three standard questions I ask everybody to wrap up every podcast episode. The first one here is what motivates you? I think the stories that are not told Ooh. or don't get to be told. Who lives, who dies, who tells your story? Bye. <laughs> and she jumped, she jumped out a window. Uh, okay, so the second one is, what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now, starting out down a similar path? So hard. Um, I think that you learn. It took me a long time to learn that my weaknesses are actually my strengths. And that, you know, quote unquote, cheesy musical theater that I loved to do when I was a kid and later viewed as, you know, this weak spot, this like cheesy thing that I did that was a hobby has made my career. And I was a part of one that has changed opinions, may not change the world, but changed Broadway and the arts for the better, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. And like, look what you can do with your quote-unquote weakness. Elizabeth Stanley told me something very similar and that she felt that musical theater was not as, uh, I'm, I'm lifting up my body in like a pompous way. Um, it doesn't th- quite get the accolades that Yes, they, other- they, to be a serious actor, you shouldn't do musical theater or you right. can't do musical theater or something. But yeah, so obviously she said the same thing. It was like, nope, you got to be really good. Yeah, and also I think I just talked myself out of so many things. Like I just was in, I'm in my own way. And that's the only person that's telling me I can't. Like I've never had someone blatantly just be like, well, you can't do that. Do you deal with that a lot? Do you have like the devil that, that is your own I think I'm critic? just like a perfectionist. You know, if anyone hasn't read Daring Greatly, they should. It changes your life. But in it, um, Brene Brown talks about perfectionism as a disease fully suffer from it, 100%. I'm like, if I don't get a 4.0, if I don't get the A, if I'm not the best, I'm not going to do it. Look how many things I wouldn't have done. You know what I mean? It's crazy when you think about what your mind tells you. And so that's like my current, or I guess probably last three years. Like, yeah. get rid of that. It's got to go. Yeah, well, that that's why we're sitting here with a podcast. Yeah. On a podcast, because I was like, I just want to have conversations and I don't know what I'm doing, but let's just start and talking And then to you're people. doing it. And yeah. now you're known for it. And yeah. Among yeah, several other things. I'm I'm the same way. It's it's very much of like, well, uh, I'm curious about that, so I'm just going to go do it. And now that I'm doing it, okay, now I got to be the best at it. Yeah. And it's kind of it's disease and a and a, a curse and a and a blessing, I guess, depending right. on what that whatever that saying is. But yeah. yeah, totally understand. Okay. And then the last question, hardest one. If you could only see one show for the rest of your life, oh, but God. you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? Ragtime. All right. That's several votes so for ragtime. No, several votes? Several votes, yeah. Oh, God, I don't feel unique anymore. <laughs> That's my favorite musical of all time. I think Sweeney Todd is number one. Whoa. Yeah. I think, yeah, ragtime is, ragtime is my vote, I think. Or maybe, yeah. That's a hard one. Well, I also you, think, like, Book of Mormon would be fun just because then you'd be laughing for the rest of your life. Also yeah. something rotten. I know, I didn't pick one. But <laughs> ragtime is my, is my number one. <laughs> okay, we'll go with that. 
Uh, we can find you on Instagram and Twitter at Morgan K. K- Very K- close. K- oh my gosh. Kai? Morgan Have K- you interviewed Jonathan Groff? No, I haven't. Okay, or Renee. Well, when you do, you need to talk to them about my Instagram Morgan name. Key? Very close. Morgan K- Kia? <laughs> Morgan K. Okay, so for everyone to clear up the the um the misnomer, my name is actually Morgan Marcel, but Morgan Kia Kia mm. is my middle name, and so I've just had it as my like email address, my whatever. But Renee, please girls, thought that that was my last name. So when she was talking about the Eliza Project on the Hamilton stage, she called me Morgan Kai. Oh. Everyone from Hamilton will love that story. Oh. Uh-huh. All right, Renee. Thanks a lot. <laughs> and morganmarcel.com is your website. You can get more of me at thetheaterpodcast.com. You can find me on Instagram at, and Twitter at theater underscore podcast. Listen, subscribe, leave a rating wherever you're listening. This is edited by Matthew Hendershot. Thank you to Jukebox the Ghost for the intro and outro music you are hearing right now. And Morgan Marcel, thank you most of all. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.